Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, some people really feel like they were destined to be the Savior of a particular person, somebody they met at work, or a group, or an event, or a project. Sometimes it is associated, this desire to be that Savior is associated with the psychological disorder called schizophrenia, when people have delusions about their own importance. It's not just those with psychological disorders, but many pastors and caregivers struggle with the complex, the Savior, the Messiah complex. And although it is clear that none of us would want to have a Messiah complex, Technically speaking, we do confess in Lord's Day 12 that we are Messiahs. You see, the word Messiah is a Hebrew word that means anointed one. And 1 John chapter 2 tells us that we are anointed. We also understand that using this type of thinking, in a sense, we are Christ's because the Greek word Christ also means anointed one. However, already in the New Testament, Acts, you can read about it, the church has chosen to use the word Christian to keep it very clear that we cannot be anyone's Messiah and Savior, and we are only anointed because we share in Christ's anointing. We share in His anointing. We don't have a Messiah complex, but we do believe that we share in the anointing of Jesus, the head of the church, who in Hebrew is called the Messiah, and who in Greek is called the Christ, and in English, the anointed one. When Christians go out and show love to the world, they don't think they themselves can save others. But they always point them to the redemption that their head, Christ Jesus, has obtained. And I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ under this theme. When your head gets anointed, you change. We'll see Messiah Jehu, Christ Jesus, and anointed church. When God decides to anoint someone, that will change a person. Look at Jehu. Fourteen years before, as a member of King Ahab's bodyguard, he had seen Naboth and his sons get killed over a vineyard that King Ahab wanted. Now, while the kings of Israel and Judah were at a city named Jezreel, they were there recuperating from a battle with the wounds that were inflicted on them by the Syrians, Jehu is left in charge of Israel's army at a city called Ramoth Gilead. He's standing there, the council with commanders of the army, and all of a sudden a young man comes in and, and asks to talk to him. Jehu's life would never be the same. He went into the inner chamber of the house as a commander, and he returned to the council a king. So what happened in the house? Jehu's head was anointed. The young man poured oil 
on his head. And so just Jehu became a Messiah. He became an anointed one. When we look at what happened to Jehu, we can learn many things about the form and the significance of anointing in the Bible. The first thing that is clear is that God himself decides who should be anointed. In the case of Jehu, it was many years before that the Lord had told his prophet Elijah to anoint Jehu as the next king. And the mandate was passed on to the next prophet, Elisha. And so Elisha, guided by special revelation from God, is able to tell his servant that he should take Jehu to an inner room. Well, when Jehu saw the servant of the prophet, he could know that it was God's will that he should be the next king. The unique choice of the Lord was further illustrated by the oil that Elisha gave to his servant. You can look at Exodus chapter 30, verses 22 and following, and you can see, you can read there the specific and special ingredients that the perfumer used to make this anointing oil very special and very expensive. You can see that it is called holy oil because it was reserved only for anointing the things and the people that God told them to pour this oil out upon. If you read in Exodus, you'll see that it's not to be used for ordinary bodies. It was not to be used on outsiders. If anyone played around with the oil, that person was cut off from the people of God, exiled or killed. The Lord explains that the oil is so special because it was His unique way of showing what things on earth would be set aside for special service in His kingdom whether they were the things in the tabernacle in the Old Testament or priests like Aaron and his sons, the anointing oil showed everybody that God was reaching down to the situation here on earth and he was reserving items or people for his own personal use for service in the kingdom. He consecrated these things and he and, he, and the oil was poured out upon them, made them holy. Everybody in Israel and Judah knew that when someone was anointed with the holy oil, God himself was claiming that person for himself as a prophet or a priest or a king. And that person had a job to do. The commanders of the army in the council in the outer room or the patio, they would have seen Jehu and the young man walk into the inner chamber together. And after a few moments, they would have seen the door open and the young man with his garments tied up, fleeing away. And the text helps us to imagine these these big commanders, warriors, they're, they're looking up when they saw Jehu coming out And maybe laughing a little as they said, is is all well? Why did this mad fellow come to you? But then look, look at the change when they find out what the young man had said. When he said, 
Thus says the Lord, I anoint, I Messiah, you king of over Israel. Look at those big commanders now. In haste, every one of them took off their garments and they put it on the bare steps. And then they blew the trumpet. They didn't hesitate. They knew what it meant when God sets a person apart. No one would question the holy anointing oil, not even big, tough commander soldiers. It was the finger of God. And to honor God, one must not touch God's anointed ones and do His servants, His prophets, no harm, as it says in Psalm 105, verse 15. We look at that and we ask, did did Jehu's anointing also remind the commanders of the promise of the Messiah that God had spoken to David that we sang together in Psalm 18? Although they could know that Jehu's non-Davidic, he wasn't from the line of David, that this non-Davidic lineage would make him to serve a different function in God's plan, did Jehu's divine anointing make them long for the promised Messiah, the anointed one that Hannah had been praying for in 1 Samuel 2 verse 10? 2 Samuel 22, verse 51, David had sung the words of prophecy. We sang it together too. Great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. Did they understand that Jehu had been appointed and anointed by God to prepare the way for Christ Jesus? You see that in the second point, Christ Jesus. The whole Old Testament reveals Jesus Christ to us. When we read about the young prophet and he's scampering away from the newly anointed King Jehu who was standing on the steps while the trumpet was blaring, God is revealing how he was preparing the world for the coming of his son, Jesus Christ. The holy anointing oil used for prophets and priests and kings in the Old Testament was a symbol, a symbol of the Holy Spirit that God gave to these men so that they could carry out their tasks. You could see why it was so sacred. That oil was so sacred in the Old Testament. No one can take the place of the Holy Spirit. The church will accept no substitutes. And Jesus himself would receive that Holy Spirit as he was coming up out of the Jordan River where he had been baptized by John. It was an anointing that had to do with his office and his work. He went into the water as Jesus our Savior and he came out of the water as the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. John saw and testified that he saw the Holy Spirit. The voice of God was, was heard pointing to Jesus as the Son in whom he was well pleased in the same way that God's finger had pointed to Jehu at one time. Jesus Christ was no imposter, but God himself ordained him and anointed him with the Holy Spirit. 
And as the church sings, and we will get to sing it as well in Psalm 45, verse 7 in the Bible, stanza 3 in the book of praise, the, the people were thinking of Jesus Christ when they saw this spirit. Psalm 45 says, Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. Your robes are fragrant with myrrh and aloes and cassia. The ceremony of the anointing revealed in the Old Testament and used to set Jehu apart was the same ceremony that God used to tell the world that His Son, Jesus, was the one that He appointed and He anointed to help everyone who believed in Him. But although the form of Jesus' anointing was similar and the meaning was the same, the person and the work of Jesus Christ was far superior and far more effective for the salvation of all who believe in Him. Although we might call Jehu a Messiah, because at one point in time in the history of redemption, the Lord used holy anointing oil to set Him apart as a king for a specific mission, He was not nearly as important as Jesus Christ, the Messiah. If we compare the line of the promise, that history of redemption, to a long rope that connected Adam to Jesus Christ, then we can compare Jehu to a temporary worker hired to protect that rope line by killing off a group of enemies who were threatening to cut it off. But Christ Jesus was always the goal. He was the goal for which God used Jehu. Jehu's anointing only means something for us because it teaches us how closely God is accompanying His church here on earth. The anointing shows that God was involved, that God wants us to know Jesus Christ, who is Jesus, who is our Savior. God was controlling everything so that we could meet our Lord. That the anointing oil in the Old Testament had this, this focus, this purpose of showing Jesus Christ. For he was consecrated to be a servant of God. But unlike all those who were before him, he was anointed to be the combination of, of all three major offices in the Old Testament. That's what we confess so clearly in Lord's Day 12 of the Heidelberg Catechism. He was not just a king like Jehu was, or not just a prophet like Elijah and Elisha, or not just a priest like Aaron and his sons, but Jesus was all three. He became known as the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. You can read it in the New Testament many times. It's called, the Christ has come. When Jesus was anointed, he was anointed to be our chief prophet and teacher. Our only high priest who offered himself as the perfect sacrifice for all who believe in him. Our high priest who continually intercedes for us before the Father. Our Lord Jesus was anointed to be our eternal king who has all authority in heaven and on earth. When Jesus Christ came, 
He was not just one more ordinary step along the way pointing forward to another Messiah. For years, there had been men, prophets, priests, and kings who pointed in Christ to Christ Jesus in part. And then the Son of God himself came to earth. He fulfilled all the offices. He, he brought them together into the one office, the Christ, the new office, the Messiah. Christ Jesus stands in the center of all history. He is the promised Messiah that the church was longing for throughout the years. There would be none after him. And for us today, that means he is the one. We either believe that he is the Christ and share in his anointing, as we confess we do in Lord's Day 12, or we will not be anointed in any way. There are no more messiahs after Christ Jesus. So if you think you are responsible to save yourself by your works, you think you were anointed as the Messiah to your suffering or needy friends and family, it's time to stop trying to be that Messiah and embrace the gospel. God sent his son to be the Christ. Believe in him and you will be saved. There is nothing to add to the truth that he has proclaimed as prophet. There is no sacrifice that you need to make in order to gain access to the throne of God. He is the priest. There is no fight that you need to be a part of that will gain you any more real estate in the kingdom of God. For Christ is the king. He is the Messiah. He is also the head of his body, the church, which is you. He is your head. And that has consequences for you, the church, that believe in him. Because when your head gets anointed, you change. The gospel message is that the head of the church has been anointed. Prophet, priest, and king. And then we say, and we share in his anointing. His messiahship has messianic significance for our lives. We are called Christians because like the oil that flows down from the head of Aaron onto the beard, like we sang about in Psalm 133, we share in that one new office of Christ. When your head gets anointed, you change. Since Jesus, your head, got anointed, you will find that when you believe in him, you are called to do special things in the world. God has consecrated you. That anointing oil, the Spirit is on you. He has set you apart in Christ. He reserved your life for special service in his kingdom because you are a part of Christ's body. He gives you that special protection that we sang about in Psalm 18 so that you can be a useful instrument in his hand. And that is why when 
you confess your faith in Jesus Christ, you too are called Christ's, Christians, Messiah's, anointed ones. And hey, look at that. I guess you can see some similarities between your life and Jehu's life. God has set you apart in Christ. God has granted you the privilege of representing Him on the earth. God has allowed you to share in His mission to bring salvation to all those who are His. The Catechism characterizes your role in this mission in a most beautiful and succinct way. There's a reason that this Catechism has lasted through so many hundreds of years. Saying, you, Christian, you confess his name. Christians present themselves as living sacrifices of thankfulness to him. Christians fight with a free and good conscience against sin and the devil in this life. And hereafter, reign with him eternally over all creatures. The task that Christ was anointed to complete was fulfilled when he ascended into heaven. And now all the benefits of his work are communicated to the world through you, his body, the arms, the legs, the body of Christ. You, Christians, are a moving, living depository of eternal blessings in Christ. You can't save anyone, so don't even try getting burned out that way. But you can channel the attention of everyone you meet to the Christ, the Savior, Jesus Christ. When Jehu stood among his fellow commanders, everybody knew that he couldn't just stay standing there on his buddy's garments on top of their cloaks on the steps. The anointing was a call. It's a call to action. Jehu didn't sit around and, and pat himself on the shoulder for being privileged to be a part of God's community. If you keep reading chapter 9, you, you find out he, he mounted his chariot and he got the job done. Jehu would become famous throughout all the ages as the man who drove furiously and fulfilled his mission with zeal. Jesus didn't stand around in the water of the Jordan either. We read in Luke 4 verse 1, Matthew 4 verse 1, that the Spirit who had been given to him to fulfill his office as Messiah led him to the wilderness to begin his official work. We also do not stand idly by. The kingdom is advancing. You are anointed and called to action, to shine in the darkness. Your anointing makes you different from unbelievers. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are connected to Him like a branch is connected to the trunk of a tree. When you abide in Him, you share in His anointing. When you share in His anointing, you abide in Him. That's 1 John 2, verse 27. And so when our Lord Jesus Christ goes out to the world, 
with that offer and that promise of redemption in Him, also you also will confess His name, this joyous message to the world. And when His sacrifice and His intercession, that He's standing there before the Father, interceding for His church, when that sacrifice and that intercession is proclaimed with words, you show that you trust in Him completely when you offer your life as a sacrifice of thankfulness to Him. And when Christ the King stands up to defend His church from the attacks that are coming from without and and sometimes even from within the church, these attacks that threaten the blessings that He has obtained for us, all those who share in His mission, anointing with Him, they fight with Him as well. You are not the Messiah that can save the world, but you are called to serve with the Messiah who has obtained salvation for all who believe in Him. You are not the Christ, but you are a Christian, a Christian. And you have been anointed by the Holy One. May God equip you by His Holy Spirit so that you embrace this blessing in Christ Jesus every day. You look in a mirror and, and you know who you are. You, you say, I'm a Christian. I'm, I'm anointed with Him. And then you vow, you work to the advance of His kingdom. That also you may live eternally with your Savior, the glory of His name. Amen.